to episode three of the Sweet Shots podcast. I'm Lucas Johnson alongside Mark Johnson. We are down a man. Chuck Johnson decides to take a vacation this week. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I believe. I saw a great picture this morning of a nice little sunrise. Look, we have a great sunrise we right have a great here. Sun. I don't know why you need to go all the way to Myrtle Beach to see the sunrise. Some would say temperature. Personally, for me, you know, I like the cold. The 15 degrees this morning wouldn't get it done on and the beach. Maybe not on the beach. But in his stead, we've got our first ever guest on the podcast. We started high, so I like where we're going with this. We got Pat. I'm gonna, is it Lipsia? You can go Lipsy, Lipsia. It depends on where you are. Lipsy, Lipsia. Yeah, we'll say Lipsy. Lipsy. Pat Lipsy's in the building. Uh, food and beverage director here at Sweet Shots. Uh, notable musician. Notable. I like that. That's notable. Good. Notable. Definitely notable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, truth be told, when we were talking about who, who could we have fill in for, for Chuck, that was kind of where we're – I'm going to ask you a lot about your music sure. later. Later. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you're an extraordinary food and beverage mind, I believe. I've never met a more talented food and beverage person in my life. That's very kind. So, well uh, – you're really good at what you do. So we're going to pump that a little bit. But there's a lot of other things. There's many layers to Pat layers. Lipsy, Lipsia. Many layers that we we look to uncover today. So it'll be some, uh, that'll be some fun. I think it's going to be a great, great show. Um, we had a great week of, of professional golf. We had um, some great scores being shot, you know, great local stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a good one. So, Chuck, if you're listening to this, uh, bummed you're not here, but maybe not that bummed because we got a uh, great guy to fill your spot here. So, you know, the, the tour event this, this week's the CJ. CJ Cup. How do we know Chuck's not living some double life where he's actually not really in Myrtle Beach? That is quite a coincidence. He's hosting. Say, is that a real thing? Holy buckets. CJ Cup is in South Carolina too, right? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, what is that? Ridgeland, South Carolina is what I got. So I've, yeah, I've never seen uh, CJ Cup and Chuck not in the same place. Maybe. Right. Has anybody looked any deeper into that? Can we it has out? been in Vegas in in the past. Mm. Well, there we go. He loves Vegas. He loves Vegas. He's a Vegas guy. I think we need to get our friends in QAnon on this and see if we can, uh, see if we can uncover scratch a little, below the surface a little bit and find uncover out Uncover really a little dirt. Yeah. What's going on with Chuck Johnson yeah. here. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, not only was last week great, this next week's going to be great too. But, um, I mean, looking around the area, NDSU's out uh, in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, playing playing some good golf out there. The men, it's a it's men, a smaller yep. field, but it's a good field. There's two teams inside the top 50, if my notes are correct. Number 39, Brigham Young, mm-hmm. is in the field. And number 16, Colorado State. A little home cooking for Colorado State. They lead at one under. Um, the Bison are just, uh, they're at plus eight. So they're not that far back. No, in reality, when you got a, what is it, 54-hole golf tournament, one day is, I mean, you can make up 10 shots like that. Now, you know? granted, it's against a top 20 team. But the Bison, and we've mentioned this before, and I, and I don't know that folks in our region, um, you know, it, when you think of Bison athletics, you think of other things than golf. But the program Steve Kennedy is building or has built, um, they're legit. They're deep. Any one of those guys can play great. And uh, t- to be now in a, in a position to compete with top 50 teams, uh, that and, well, we can go into why they, the, the Bison have a tough time getting ranking points. But that that's legit. This team's really good. Yeah, and you said it. They're deep. There, I mean, any one of those guys, and you know, and talking with um, Jake Scarproot and, and his family, it's he's the incoming freshman for this year from Shanley, uh, hometown kid, and uh, this is kind of a first for the program where he's coming in, everyone's returning, and and they're deep enough where any one of those eight guys can go out and play, and so it is a little different from when I joined. It was as a freshman. I'm playing golf, you know, and so that the depth is really built on that team where any one of those guys can go out and shoot a number. I think that's really cool to really cool to watch. It's fun to follow along. 
I mean, stuff like that, because at any point they could rattle off a 64 or 65, something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're good. And back when, when you started that it was, okay. So if, if people aren't familiar with college golf, there's five that travel mm-hmm. count four. So there's not a lot of room for error in a tournament. I mean, one guy can have a off day and your teammates need to pick him up. But how many guys were on the roster when you played? Like seven? Seven. No more than eight. So to make that starting five, you know, as long as you played well, maybe at that tournament or qualified fine, you're mm-hmm. in you're in the field. And um, I don't know what the saying would be, but a feather, a feather in your cap would be what it is. I think you played all four years. You played in all but one event. Is that right? One event. Ironically, it was this event that I missed. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, stretch because that was a strong that was a strong team as well. Yeah, so, we so had a lot of fun. A couple questions regarding uh, NCAA golf, if, sure. if we can touch on that Let's for a second. Do it. Coming Absolutely. from somebody who has not spent a lot of time in that world, but I'm curious. I've got mm-hmm. questions. Yep. Um, so so first of all, when we <clears throat> excuse me, when we say uh, you know eight on a roster, travel five, count four. So five are golfing, Correct. and you take. Top four scores. Correct. Correct? Okay, yep. cool. Um, just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. So when we talk about who who's going to travel that week or to that tournament, is once we get to the beginning of, of, uh, of a season, is it a situation where, all right, we got our starting five, and that's like, you know, you think about basketball, that rotation, unless there's injuries, typically doesn't change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So... Is it uh, is it like that when we when we get into college golf, or is it more like a man? Uh, Lucas is was really struggling in practice this this week. He can't uh, you know he can't he can't strike a wedge. Kid's gonna blade it over the green into the into the drink every other hole. And and is it more fluid? Where all right this week you're coming with, stay home and work on your wedges. Or when you get that top five established, does it uh, does it pretty much roll from there? It it honestly varies a lot, right? Because stuff like that does happen. You mm-hmm. hear about that. Uh, we're in a unique position up here, being in the northern climate that our spring season and even into the later parts of fall, right? You can't get outside and practice, which means you can't get outside and qualify. You know, it's tough tough to justify at a Division One level, you know, we're going to go qualify on an 18-hole simulator round, right? Yeah. So it, it, when I was there, we, we had a pretty solid starting five. It didn't move much. Towards the later end of my years, it was... Um, making an extra effort to bring, you can bring individuals to a tournament. So you might travel six or seven, and then you would use that tournament as qualifying because that's the, that's the outdoor round that you want to, that you want to, um, measure yourself by. Right. Um, so I have heard of, of coaches being like, you know, you know, I, I haven't seen what I like today in practice or this last week in practice, Mm -hmm. you know, take a little bit, figure it out. We're going to go with someone else, rotate in. Up here, it gets pretty – it's pretty solid, especially if your team's producing yeah. and, and and knowing Coach Kennedy. Um, I'm not going to call him a superstitious guy, but he's definitely got his methods of how he likes to go about it. And if his team's winning, he's not going to rattle that. Rattle that. So Creature of habit. Yep. You know, they could bring the guys out here and do the 30-shot uh, analysis. That'd be a That's great a, thing to do. Actually, mm-hmm. that that is a, a good – check of where your game's at mentally it it's it's a lot like a nine nine play nine holes just because mentally you have to focus every round and for those that are listening that don't know what our 30 shot challenge is it's essentially you enter in your handicap or what your perceived handicap is um, and that lets our system know how to compare you against other golfers of your skill level and then basically it gives you the shots that um, it kind of plots you around a golf course. PGA National, I believe, is the golf course. Gives you random shots around the golf course, depending on how your performance is, whether it's proximity to the hole, distance, you do driving, wedges, approaches. It gives you a score, and then it tells you what it's going to work on. It gives you some great feedback, um, identifies your habits, stuff like that. But m- you have to be mentally there because as a competitor, I like to have the best score meaning that I have to focus for 30 shots in a row, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's a neat little thing we got going on here. And I think if, if you're looking to get better, that's the way to do it right there. Well, I was thinking about Kennedy, coach Kennedy back in the day when he was coaching at Fargo South, probably back in the Tom Hoagie days, they had 
I'm going to, I'm going to throw out 50 kids go out for high school golf mm-hmm. and they, you know, on a late season where the snow, the, the courses are still covered with snow, they would have to determine who's going to make this team. Well, he went in the sports bubble, the golf dome back mm-hmm. in the day. And I think all 60 kids got like five swings mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> no electronics, no nothing. He watched him for five swings, and that's how he made his, his. I don't know if he cut to 20 players or whatever his team roster was oh, for JV and varsity. Imagine. And you had to do it. And it might, I may be selling that short. It might have been like 100 kids. I mean, it was just an unbelievable amount of player kids came out for golf, which is great. But how do you how do you do a qualifier when you can't get outside because of the snow? So It is a unique position we're in up here. And and the fact, I mean, the, the best feeling for – us as a team was even if we didn't win, but we could go down south, c- coming right out of the snowbanks, and beat a majority of these teams. It was, it was fun. It was awesome. <laughs> fun to watch, kind of actually. It was awesome. That's my senior year, our first our first tournament out of the season, South Carolina, or was that second or third? I, I don't remember. CJ Open. It was not. <laughs> it was not. You guys went down there and True waxed blue. them. Yeah, we we. I think we won by four or five, maybe. Anyway, yeah. right out of the snowbank, stepped off the plane. We won a tournament. That felt good. Well, I think That's you won conference, the Summit League conference tournament, and the courses weren't even open up here yet. Well, so we actually had <laughs> we had two nine-hole rounds that year, my freshman was year. It, it was it like two, in Holly and No, we played one, Barnesville. At, <laughs> one at the Meadows and one at Fargo, I think, oh, for okay. a country club. But the girls, because their conference championship was a week before ours, so that was the year the girls also won. The women. The women. And and they didn't have a single practice outside before conference. Mm. So, and they won the title. Five shots at the bubble. Yeah. Do five shots at the bubble. Do yours, ladies. You guys are traveling. Yeah. You know, let's go. You know, there is something to be said for that, whether it's, you know, NDSU athletics or UND athletics or whatever. I guess specifically I'll say NDSU because I'm more familiar with it. Um, but uh, they're – Across the sports, there is a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. It seems like with these squads, you you look you see it a lot, and they're well coached and well recruited. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, um, but I think that edge being up here does give them something. You look at the the softball team for years and years has gone yes. down and had great great success early in the spring, uh, bringing it to these teams in the southeast and on the west coast that just they grind all year round outside, you yeah. know and. Uh, and I, I don't think that's going to slow down with the facility upgrades that you're seeing in, in both of the schools up here. I mean, there's a lot that can be done in the off season. Yeah. So. I mean, it's great. I mean, talk about the new facility, that new football facility was, mm-hmm. it's massive, unbelievable. That plan went into place my junior year. So of course I got the whole talking point, selling point. This thing's going to be awesome. So much mm-hmm. better than the bubble. And they said, see you later. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Do you have any money? Can we get some money from you? <laughs> but it's phenomenal. I mean, for what it's going to do, um, I mean, golf team gets in there and practice. There's going to be nets that drop down. I mean, it's a massive facility. So it's going to be. But they can't see full ball flight. No, it's not a full ball flight. <laughs> not like, you know, out here. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, for the, the selling point when I came in was that you can get you can start getting better. Uh, in the in the winter up here because it was the shack it was the first year the shack was going to be built we mm-hmm. had a new indoor chipping and putting facility and then we got a trackman inside there but it is true I mean with all of the advancement advancements in technology between having a trackman indoor chipping and putting um, even facilities like like this where we have heated bays and, and full ball flight mm-hmm. and then being able to kind of piggyback off the football team for a, a nicer indoor range basically. Yeah. I mean, playing golf in the North now is completely different than seven years ago, even. Yeah. Let alone when I played, it was, you put your clubs away, literally put your clubs away. How about, so you had a brief stint of coaching college golf. That's right. right. Yes. For the Dragons. Go Dragons. I was the uh, coach of the MSUM Dragons. Was that back when I I was going to say, is that Moorhead State University, Minnesota, or Minnesota State University? Moorhead State University. Ross Forchie, the legendary football coach, hired me uh, to lead the men's golf program. And we had some talented players. James Clark of Bemidji fame was was, uh, 
was a fantastic player for us, was in the golf business for a hot minute, um, now lives in the Twin Cities, is a financial guy. I don't know exactly what he, sorry, Jim, if you <laughs> happen to listen to this. Brad Bangan was uh, another fantastic player. That's a great name. It's a great golf Brad name. Brad yeah. Bangan uh, fell in my lap. The guy was a just a genius ball striker. Tended to not finish around with the putter that he brought with him. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting with a seven iron. I mean, with a last name like that. Driver. Can you blame the guy? Driver. Yeah. He, put, he finished putting with the driver on more than one occasion. <laughs> Some great stories about Brad. Um, how about, I mean, we can go through your roster if you'd like, but uh, how about, I remember a story about your practice facilities at one, because you also coached Concordia for a little bit, right? I did. Yeah. So after MSUM, I, I coached at Concordia for the Cobbers and that was fantastic experience. Um, mostly local guys that were on the team and we were competitive, but uh, just couldn't get past the hump against Gustavus and St. John's were strong then, but our guys, we were, we had, we had good players, uh, Kyle Newman kind of led that. Mike mm-hmm. uh, Mike Simonich, uh, uh, who his son plays for NDSU. Yeah, yeah. Ian. Mike's son Ian is is a fantastic a really good, player. Really good player. Now I know I'm getting old when I got guys. When <laughs> Ian's dad played for me, but that's uh, Brandon Rittering out of the cities. I mean, we 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 were very competitive. But uh, MSUM, we had to get creative with our indoor practice facilities. So we, I, I guess, we did things in the indoors, but we were chipping off the tartan. Uh, intramural gym, you know, the floor, mm-hmm. remember the old tartan, sir, I call it tartan. I, it was, uh, yeah, it was it's synthetic. Quite, it's not quite a rubber, but it's not like a wood, right? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Right. Maybe, maybe state had that same surface up until, you know, probably a decade ago or something like yeah. that. They actually played conference games on that. That was the, that was the basketball yeah. floor. Yeah. It was all the rage probably in the late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. So no mat, you're just right off the floor, right off the floor. And we were like, okay, if you can, if you can hit these chip shots or pitch shots <laughs> off off this floor, it, the grass is going to be a piece of cake. <laughs> and so we had a lot of competitions. Um, but the the story that I need to tell quickly, I'll give you the short version, is in the main gym, Alex Nemzik Fieldhouse, they had a large curtain on the south side of the of the of the facility. And they used that as a backdrop for graduation for years and years. Well, I saw it as a fantastic catch for golf balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we start that spring season indoors and we are rifling drivers from, you know, this is pretty cool. We can get back to like center court, you know, as long as you don't pop Down sky there. one, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, we're ripping drivers yeah. into this, this is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Well, Things were all fine and dandy till they pulled that curtain out. I didn't realize it was happening at the time or I would have stopped the young men from doing it. But uh, they pulled the curtain out and uh, for graduation that May. And there were hundreds of holes in the in the curtain. It was like a felt curtain. Just popping straight through there. Yeah. I thought you were going to say dead pigeons. So it beats the alternative. (laughs) Turns out we were just rifling at these pigeons all winter long. (laughs) No, I felt, I felt a little bit bad. They did. I, and then, um, I don't know if there's any tie to this. Ironically, the program was cut the next year. (laughs) Can't afford more felt. (laughs) It's a public school. We cut the men's program. Yeah. Men's, uh, tennis and golf got the ax. They added, uh, soccer for ladies. Wonder what the tennis team did. Something worse than felt. (laughs) (laughs) Something worse than felt. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's uh, it's fun to see these programs uh, doing well, and yes, the technology definitely putting kids in a position, young people, where they can improve their game, even though they're not heading south. And there's, it's yes, it's great. You're going to go play golf south, but there's there's a lot of merit to being close to home, and 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 being part of these great universities we have in our region. I always said you could cheat basically cheat winter going here because if you mm-hmm. if you're playing i mean you're got like they're in denver right now and they're going to north carolina which my favorite tournament ever i mean they have maybe a 24-hour window when they're back here which i mean if you don't like traveling that's too bad but you're not in 16 degree weather mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah so question last question regarding collegiate golf and then we'll move on to other things but uh 
So uh, I was going to ask you a question regarding recruiting. And, and you know, I, I'd imagine that most of the most of the the North Dakota State uh, guys now and when you were on the on the squad were probably local regional. Is there it, does the arm reach too far outside of there? I'd imagine it'd be kind of tough. Well, yeah, I mean, there's um, I mean, from my experience, I know guys have reached out to Coach Kennedy from around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, Just looking he, for an opportunity. Yeah, kind of thing. he he likes um, he likes to take the talent from Minnesota. North Dakota, Iowa, Wisconsin, we've had some Wisconsin. So we're kind of mm-hmm. the upper Midwest team, which kind of makes it all the more special because sure. there is a ton of talent up here mm-hmm. around this area. Um, and I think it's a great place to show it off. So it, it does reach pretty far in just the golfing community itself, mm-hmm. right? There's great tools to reach out to college coaches that just sends out a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kennedy likes to – field a team of some hometown boys and yeah i mean go out and take it to them that way so i think he's always looking for the the best player out of north dakota mm-hmm. and then the and then a lot of these guys that got overlooked by the U- university of minnesota out of the twin cities and it's worked so it's not a not unlike football in that regard probably they're very, very similar good point own, own the state and then you know a guy linebacker who's made look uh, you know you got grant olson guy like that legendary NDSU linebacker, couple inches too short to get a serious look as a linebacker at a at a upper echelon FBS school. Comes up here, you know, and has a legendary Owns career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just snuck out. Just snuck out of the Twin Cities. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. not a bad spot. So if you're a uh, if you're a prospective collegiate golfer, uh, has Division One talent, um, and you're choosing. Schools in the upper Midwest, in the area. This is an honest question, not just patting ourselves on the back. Is the presence of sweet shots and the year-round golf capabilities that we offer, is that is that an attractive quality? Is that something that might help tip the scales to go to NDSU versus, uh, let's say, SDSU? You know, the, fa- the, facility, the proximity to this facility and the ability to have a more realistic golf experience to watch full flight year-round. I think that's huge. I mean, we even saw it when we first opened up that spring season when it got too cold or when it was raining mm-hmm. to be able to, because they still have access to the bubble. Mm-hmm. But as a as a fine-tuned golfer, quote-unquote, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the ball flight tells a story. And if mm-hmm. you're only getting 50% of that, 60% of that, it's tough to trust it sometimes. Yeah. And so even if it's just coming out here once a week just to see, yeah, you know, see it ball flight, stuff like that. I think that's huge. Agreed. If you're a guy like me, who's a recreational golfer at best, the first 120 yards of that drive, is just the beginning of the journey. It's the, it's the (laughs) prelude. I witnessed that last night. Yeah. That's my part. We're going to, I want to pivot. We got to, we got to, we got to jump into. Yeah. You guys took it, took it down last night. It sounded like a couple, couple victories. First nights of leagues at sweet shots. Yeah. Uh, We took down a couple big, big dogs too last night. Well, I, I was bigger. putting contest yeah. champions. Both of those guys. Yeah. Tied oh, were they? Yeah. Mm. So they're players. Yeah. It was. It was no. It was no bullcrap, man. Tell you what, I went out there and I had to warm up stuff. Mark asked me to be a. It's kind of to, a last minute deal to be it? a to be a last minute uh, uh, sub. Came into the office and was like, "Hey, Jeez. think you can golf tonight? What are you up to tonight?" I'm like, "Well, I was going to hang around and make sure the leagues went off. So I guess I'll golf when I do that. Yeah. Perfect." Super. What better way to make sure that beer is getting delivered to tables than to order some beer at a table, you know? Quality um, check. Quality, quality check. <laughs> so, but then I saw we're playing with Scarp and Jimmy, and I'm just like, those guys are pretty good, and Mark's pretty good. And he's all right, you know? But uh, but I'm just like, holy buckets, I went out, and I'm hitting balls beforehand. I'm topping them, I'm blading them, I'm slicing them every which direction. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you, you don't have delusions of, like, being in, like, you know what? I think uh, based on my performance in this men's league tournament playing with these three guys, I'm going to strike out on the amateur tour and just, you know, see what happens, start building points. Just figure it out. But right. you would really like to not embarrass yourself. And I did not embarrass myself. Not that was all. like that was like the high end of my expectation for last night. Got a W for you guys. Felt yeah. good that I could help out. So You, you shot 43. Yeah. Wasn't bad. Jeez. Without my bulbous handicap, I still would have won. There you go. So boom. Yeah. If They're Chuck's gonna... not careful, he might, I mean, he's out of leagues. 
and he's out of a podcast job. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is a dangerous time to be traveling to South Carolina. Keep right disappearing, now for, Chuck. Keep disappearing. <laughs> for suspicious circumstances mm-hmm. around a golf tournament. Right. Right. <laughs> Pat starts getting invited to our Thanksgiving family celebration. <laughs> hey, guys. I made stuffing. What's going on? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, rolling in around yeah. Christmas. Yeah. No, for, legit, though. So I, I wanted to just, we, we got you on here. Um, you are an interesting cat. And I, I really uh, enjoy you personally and you, you talk a little bit about, about your work, but this is a little out of order that I had written, but let's talk about your golf game. Sure. When did you come to golf? Because baseball was your deal, right? Yeah. Baseball was your sport. Yep. Yep. Played baseball my whole life. One of those guys from, you know, T-ball on up through uh, uh, high school, Legion, summer ball, the whole thing, coached, umpired, uh everything. It was my whole family, me and my, me and my little brother and my uncles before me, we were, it was year as year round as you can be up here, especially in Mayville. We didn't have the amenities. They actually do now. They have a nice, uh, it's a a hockey arena up there that was built uh, about 20, 25 years ago, but it's been fit so that they actually can practice year round baseball. There's, there's some good facilities. So the kids can at least throw and hit. Well, Mayville state, they were known that that college program back in the day, maybe they still are. I I don't follow, but really quality high end Players Absolutely. came out of there. Absolutely, yes. Scott Berry has been at the helm of the the Mayville State uh, the Mayville State baseball program for I don't want to get it wrong a lot a lot of years. I <laughs> I had the the pleasure of playing with uh, his son Mickey in high school in Legion. Mickey's a great guy, great ball player. He played at Mayville State for a while. He uh, still plays amateur to this day. He wants to play till he's forty five. I have no doubt that he can do it. Uh, had, had the opportunity to spend some time with him this summer, but yeah, him and his family have kept the Mayville State program. Uh, uh, Scott and his family have kept the Mayville State program relevant for a number of years. He's a uh, uh, he's a college baseball Hall of Famer, and uh, you know he can go to Mayville. You still see him mowing the field, uh, doing a lot of the upkeep. It's an NAIA Division II school. You know, there's not a ton of cash flying around that place. So when you when you run a program in a in a institution like that, you take on a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of helms. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so baseball is prevalent in Mayville. It's a good baseball town. So that was kind of us growing up, and uh, and you know then beer league softball for several years until one year I, I went to one of the three leagues I was playing on to practice in the, in the spring, one of our first practices. And I found that I just could not throw a ball anymore. My, there was probably some scar tissue in my shoulder that had been building up since I was eight or something like that from chucking balls, you know? So, um, I literally, I'd have to go out. I played first base. I'd have to take the cut about 15 feet into the right field grass and then run it in halfway to home. And then, you know, kind of shot, put it in. And, and I'm just like, I think my softball days are over. So, <laughs> and so it was fine. It was about time anyway. So, but, um, but yeah, I started playing golf, uh, in my, uh, in my late twenties, uh, uh, with a, a buddy of mine and my, uh, and my then wife's family are, are really big into golf and they were, they were great. And they, they, uh, uh, really got me into it more. Um, and uh, had an opportunity to play some awesome courses and, and have some fun and chunk it around a little bit until I learned how to at least hit it straight. Um, and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it, I have young kids and uh, and a pretty busy career. So there's not a ton of time. Right. There's not a ton of four hour windows to go and yeah. and have a leisurely 18 holes. But I but I always cherish it when I do. I try not to swear too much or get too upset and rem- remember that I was really looking forward to this. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, I asked for this. I did this to myself. <laughs> you, you probably paid money for it. Yeah, exactly. so probably. Yeah. Hard, hard earned money. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah. But uh, it's something that I immediately took to. The, um, the kind of the peaceful serenity, you want to do the corny stuff like teeing off on Edgewood on, on the first hole at seven fifteen in the morning on an August morning. I mean, it just, exactly. it just feels great. Yeah. It's quiet and it's just morning like, golf is the best. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's something that, uh, that clicked with me right away. And then, you know, um, next thing you know, I'm watching golf on TV and working that's at a golf facility gotta, and the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. So that's, as soon as that golf channel clicks on and you're like, okay with it being there. Yeah. Then, yeah. you know, you got the edge. Right. Right. You're yeah. watching, you're watching. Do you, you, you have any goals? Do you have any goals with the game? I mean, yeah. not that you, like you said, I want to get on the amateur list or whatever. Right. But just, I mean, what, what's stuff. your goal with the game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I would honestly, I would like to, uh, be able to manage my time to the point where I could play consistently enough to establish a handicap and then start to improve on that, like without even putting numbers on it. I'd like to be able to play, you know, if I were to be able to play two to three rounds a month, four rounds a month, let's just say an average of once a week. And a lot of that is time management. 
you know, you got you, yeah. you need time for the kids. You're not going to give up your time with the kids. You got to right. make sure your work's taken care of. You got relationships and all that fun stuff. But at the same time, I feel like if I can just wake up at six once a week <laughs> and, and, and then and then convince myself that it's OK to come into work at 10 instead of eight once a week, you know, then uh, then you can make that happen. And, and, and uh, you know, once once you can put a number to it, then you can start doing the work. You mentioned the 30 shot, 30 shot challenge on top tracer. It's awesome. Whether you're, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate tool for an established golfer, for somebody who is, um, you know, whether they're, you're like yourself working, working into, into a professional role, or you're, you're a collegiate person or a competitive high school golfer, or you're someone like me, who's a 40 year old rec golfer, who's just trying to figure out why you do the things you do. And, and when you do the things you do and stuff, it's super, super fun. So that's that's a tool that I've been using lately that I that I'll continue using into the winter and uh, continue putting on putt view for ten minutes a day. And then you know when we come out in the spring, uh, corn fairy tour. Here we come. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. That's I've been I've been really <laughs> impressed with your your discipline to get down to the putting green. I know. I mean, I, you're 10, 15 like, minutes. And it's his it, release it, though. Yeah, he sneaks away. You, it's do, his yeah, you need a release, but I mean that's there's a lot of guys that even in the summer they'll go to a golf course and like actively avoid the putting green. I mean, so that's a big part of the game that you're focusing on. And maybe it's easier than turning on a bay and taking some swings. You get less sweaty, all that. It's easier than working, you know, is the kicker. It's a real sacrifice of me to stop working for 15 minutes and go putt a golf ball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like the fact that one of your goals is to establish a handicap because the BS we threw at those guys last night, we put you down as a 32. That was based on Lucas's feedback. He asked what an 18 hole round was. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like 105. And he's like, okay, 32. I was like, super duper. Sounds good to me. Quick math of 32. So he gets half that in a nine hole match. And I think uh, James Carnick's a 9.6. And we net that down after all the math. This young man over across the table from us is getting 11 shots from <laughs> yeah. James Carnick. And, and, and he, I doubt he made it home last night. He probably, you know, keeled over. He might have been the closest, closest to the pin champion. I don't know. He 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 put a, gave a lot of chances at it. When? Last night. I don't know. On the it. game or in the in the league or in the closest to the hole? Oh, there were two of them. I didn't know there were two chances. No, are you talking about yeah, the, the closest close to the hole? The, yeah, the, for mm, the everybody. No, no, we've got oh. a guy. I forgot his name. Shoot, Stens, Stensgard. Hmm. He knocked it in there. Uh, lat, lat, one of the last players. He knocked it in there to a foot. Ooh, went on a dollar. Nice, that's card. good. That'll be posted on on Facebook. We, yeah. yeah, well, fantastic. I mean, James did walk away as a as a co medalist for the putting contest for leagues, so he got that going for him. Well, and I did. It was important to me, and this was my on our last on, on hole nine. I had a chip, and I had to I had to make bogey. I couldn't screw around on a double bogey and make this happen. It was important to me that I, that I beat him straight up and I, and I needed a 43. Is that, I knew he was sitting at a 44 and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm obviously giving him too many strokes here. or He's giving me too many strokes here. You know, I'm like, if I can, if I can beat him straight up, then I can sleep at night with, uh, with, uh, taking this victory. So, and I did get the 43. So so we can take really that. Good. We can take that. But here's the deal. You and I both won our matches yesterday. And yep. there had to have been, it's a little home cooking. Yeah. Although I'd never played this format where you actually chip to the putting, determine which is your, fun. We'll talk about that in another show. Yeah. yeah. But um, it was a lot of fun. But we caught, I think we caught both our opponents. Well, they didn't even know they had to bring their own clubs. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed <laughs> they, that you were Scarps caddy. Right. He's using my clubs. Really. Yeah. They had no idea what they had really signed up for. Mm-hmm. So, but hey, a win's a win. We appreciate you filling in for Chuck. And yeah, that's, uh, my that's pleasure. all that matters right now. We took down what could be the favorites to win that league. Yeah. Once they figure it, it out. a big win. Once we they t- figure it out. We took them down. <laughs> it's a big win. That's Yeah, that's a great win. Okay, great so that's a little bit about your golf. Yep. Okay, I want to get into um, your music. I'm really intrigued by your previous life which we're sure. talking like more than a decade ago. There's a couple of them. Yeah. I'm going to get into it. I'll tee this up. I don't know the details, but I, I would say when you were, when you were downtown Fargo and you're looking for live music and, uh, or, or uh, yeah. And you're hearing what's going on, who's doing what in the live music scene. Yeah. I would have to venture a guess that you were right in the mix, leading the charge of uh, the live music scene. And to the point where you were writing your own stuff and performing, Weekly is that a pretty good? Yeah, from tea up? from the from the years of probably two thousand and five to maybe two thousand four to two thousand and 
10. Um, I was ex- extremely active. It was, there was a couple years there where when I, when I say the sweet brag, like, well, I used to be a professional musician. There was actually two years where I made more money playing, uh, playing music than I did cooking food. And that was, that was probably 06 and 07. And I mean, there's a couple reasons I was able to achieve that. One is I was making very little money cooking food. So (laughs) this was not, it wasn't like I went on tour, had giant royalties or anything like that. I was just grinding in, in, uh, in bars and clubs. I mean, if, if there were, if you had a stage in Fargo between those years, I, I played it. Like I, I just, I just did. I was playing weird gigs like, Hey, we've got a wedding reception at, uh, at so-and-so dive bar in, in, in Moorhead needs you to come and play it. Sure. Let's do it. And like, Hey, we've got a, a, a radio show in thief river at a VFW. Like, okay, I'll put my guitar in the car, you know? And I was kind of that guy that people called cause I, I didn't have a band. It was just me. Um, I traveled light. I just, it was a guitar. I didn't even have a DI box. Be like, you got a DI box. You can plug into the mixer. Sweet. I'll be there. I'll bring a quarter inch. Cool. You know, and I could, I could kind of be wherever, I had very, you know, didn't have a family at the time. You know, I could just, I could be there if, as long as it didn't interfere with my like 25 hours a week cooking, I could make it happen. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I played actually in a band in high school. I was in, uh, the, um, legendary Mayfield post grunge outfit, Fugitive Grey with my good friends, James Hastings, uh, Fred Frenzel and a gentleman named, uh, Jeremy Stoneburner. Uh, we, uh, we were playing Misfits covers and, and Weezer covers and a few originals and all this weird stuff in, in Mayville, North Dakota. We played a gig in Hatton, North Dakota one time. Mm-hmm. They did not know what to think of us, but, uh, <laughs> but we, I can't imagine why it, it was, it was something else. I think I can, I'll scrounge some of that stuff up one of these days. I have a CD laying around. I'll let you listen to it. It was good. Um, honestly though, like I listened to it now, I'm like, holy buckets. Like we wrote those songs when we were 16. Like they were good. They were good songs. You know, we didn't know how to get them out to people. We didn't know how to play them properly, you know, probably, probably, uh, uh, weren't the most, um, insightful lyrics in the world and things like that. But they, at their core, they were good songs. There was, there was a base there where, and we were having a ton of fun, uh, went to college in different places. So did that thing for a while. And then, uh, yada, 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 end up, uh, playing, uh, playing a couple of, of gigs after I wrote a few songs after a short stint, uh, living in Colorado. Uh, cooking in a place called the Steamboat Grand, uh, came home with a handful of uh, songs after a particularly egregious young twenties heartache, and uh, and uh, next thing you know, I'm playing at Ralph's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, legendary Ralph's Corner Bar, but in the back room, same stage that uh, was graced by bands like Everclear, and the White Stripes, and a couple of those guys it was that in came through. And yeah, it's across the street now from Rustica. Which used to be Why are you looking at me when you're telling that? Well, because you're the youngin in the room and you yep. have no idea yeah, where yeah, or no, what I he's don't. talking about. It was a really, and we can, we, you know, this isn't the the place to dissect the the uh, um, the the politics of neighborhood development, but Kirby's and Ralph's in Moorhead. That was a, it was a very very special place for a couple generations of people, specifically with live live music. Kirby's was the corner that rocked, and Ralph's was across the street and had a smaller stage and it was a different kind of vibe, more rock, more punk, more indie kind of stuff. But I mean, they had music there seven nights a week. I mean, it was, it was crazy what was going on in that corner and, you know, time is time things happen, uh, progress, et cetera. But, uh, that's where I start on Ralph's Mm -hmm. Bob Wood and his brother owned Ralph's. Okay. And they made great lunches there. Homemade. Mm -hmm. Bob Wood was classmates with, uh, Roger Maris, baseball oh. fame from Shanley High School. Wow. There you go. That's that's it. That's, that's the story. It. That's but the story. Bob Wood ran Ralph's. I remember when they announced that Ralph's was closing. We went in there and we went, me and my buddies went in there. I was 20, I was probably 22 when Ralph's closed. So I had two hard years of, <laughs> of Ralph's going. Um, and, uh, and they put a sign up that said, no new tabs, pay your tabs. This was a bar where you could, you could still start a tab and like pay it at the end of the right. month. The regulars wow. would come in and be like, put it on my tab. Like the people say, put it on your tab unless you're a member of a country club. Now that's not a thing, you know, but yeah, I mean, they're writing up six hams, two Windsors. Yes. All right. Paid at the end of the month. But I was like, what do they mean? You're ta- you can just start a tab and there's, you can't start a tab. These guys can start tabs. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had a lot of business. I mean, uh, yep. area business people would go there for lunch yep. and they were really well known for their lunch. And it yep. was, uh, yeah, I would go, I was working at the Morton Center Mall. Just mm-hmm. to hop, skip, and a jump away. And for Rick and Bud Johnson, we'd run over there for 
a home cooked lunch. I mean, it was legit. And then they'd have they'd have dinners too, home cooked dinner. And then that place would flip somewhere after dinner yeah. into it was okay. It, it's, you, at one point, you look around and be like, "What just happened? When did this happen?" Yeah, that just, and you still you still see that. In more. Like, uh, <laughs> like, oh, I was paying too much attention to this baseball game. Something happened around me. You exactly. know, the world changed. <laughs> That's a first. I saw a couple first times when I was in a, in that bar. I'm not going into that in this show. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, oh, really? Yeah. It's kind of what happens at Dempsey's now, in yep. my opinion. Yep. Somewhere after dinner, all of a sudden it goes. In in a lot of ways, uh, Dempsey's kind of filled the void left by Ralph's in terms of, of scene, uh, local, they local do a scene lot of and, live music there and culture and, and the aquarium upstairs with, uh, uh, what they did when they, they first opened that up with, uh, um, uh, Chris Hennon and, and Jay Miller and Josh Bolts and the guys that got that particular venue going. I was actually a little bit of Pat Lipsy trivia while we're on the, the topic. I was supposed to be the first guy ever to play at the aquarium. I was the opener at the first gig for a touring band of which I don't remember their name. Um, and they tacked a guy on last minute. So now I'm the second guy to ever play at the aquarium. And that just doesn't have the same snap to it <laughs> at it all. I'm like, what, it who invited it. Marcus here to play? Like, come on. He was a great, great guy. guy. had a great voice. But, um, but no, anyways, I, I, without getting too far off track, um, played, I was really active for about five, six years. And I played a ton, uh, side street. Um, a lot of places don't exist anymore. Like most of them, the original yeah. side went back when side street was a yeah. side street, the old mosquito landing. Um, and, uh, uh, great Northern brewery, um, places like that. Uh, and I would do two kinds of gigs. I would play, uh, your, what you call like a showcase gig. And that's where I would play maybe a handful of, uh, my favorite or obscure covers and then originals. So, you know, I might do 13 songs in a set, eight would be original. There'd be four or five kind of different covers. Um, and those were always my favorite typically, um, uh, just you get a little bit more into it. It's more about the music. People are typically there to see music. Uh, and then you'd have what I would call my South Fargo life. And that's when I would come down to, to the old JT Cigaros, another place that's closed. Um, Big D's place that's closed. None of these places are open anymore. <laughs> this, I could be making all this up. You guys would have <laughs> no would, idea. No. I played at shenanigans. That was always a great gig. Oh man, I killed it at shenanigans. Um, but, uh, it's that place with the cheese sticks, Farva loves all the crap on the walls, shenanigans. That's right. Uh, that was a super troopers reference. Sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, um, and these are like, now we're getting into like, uh, with the Johnson five, your mix kind of gigs, you're talking three, four hours, multiple sets, taking breaks, throwing the kitchen sink at them. Cause you got to fill time at times. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're wiped afterwards. Uh, you typically a little schnookered afterwards, uh, got to find a way home, got to come back and pick up the PA the next day, but they paid those gigs paid. That was the difference. I very rarely made anything at a showcase gig. So I made my, I would, I would drive for show, so to speak, downtown and play my showcase gigs. Cause I was a pretty, there was a period of time when I was a pretty talented songwriter. Some of the, I'll look, I'll look back at those. I'm like, wow, there was some stuff in there. If I could have honed my craft a little bit and focused, like there maybe was a, a not very lucrative career in there for me, but I probably could have stretched it out a little bit, maybe gone on a tour or two, but uh, didn't. And that's fine. Uh, but where I would putt for dough was down South where I would be playing at cigaros for a couple hundred bucks a night and that kind of thing. So, um, and that was kind of what I did for years. And then I'd, I'd wake up at, you know, eight 30, I'd wipe the crust out of my eyes and I'd go open the line at red lobster. Uh, I'd get my butt kicked there cooking for eight and a half hours. And then I'd go home, maybe take a nap, maybe crack a beer, uh, dust off the old guitar, make sure it wasn't too sweaty from the night before and drive it to whatever bar I was going to. And that was kind of life. I mean, it was, it was a wild handful of years. And if I wasn't playing, all my friends were in bands and we were all kind of living the lifestyle. So you're always, you know, at the aquarium or the nester. Oh God, I played the nester 60 times. Doesn't exist anymore. Um, not <laughs> even, not even standing that one. It's more than people should stop. It's a good thing. People stop booking me because, uh, a, I am a widow a maker when it comes to bars. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, uh, you know, and as it, as it happens with stuff like this, typically it's with bands because, you know, somebody gets married or somebody gets a quote unquote real job or whatever, and the band breaks up. But for me, it was just me. And I kind of did both of those things and I, I broke up the band and I, when I, when I, uh, when I played, I, I initially was billed. It was kind of a, an ironic, like a joke name. It was Pat Lipsy and the Pat Lipsy explosion. It's a, it's a take on a, on a joke from a movie called, um, uh, high fidelity brain fart, uh, uh, Kathleen Turner and the Kathleen Turner overdrive was the name of a band in high fidelity. So mm -hmm. called it Pat Lipsy and the Pat Lipsy explosion. 
And uh, that kind of morphed down to PLX. So I was billed as PLX for a while. And then finally, in my mature age, when I got into my late 20s, I just was billed as Pat Lipsy. But I used to tell people that I broke up the explosion when I moved to Grand Forks for my uh, uh, my uh, ex-wife was going to law school. So I moved up there and I uh, took a job as a, a culinary operator for Darden Restaurants at the uh, uh, Olive Garden, at the then fresh opened Olive Garden. That was an interesting, uh, interesting three years. That's another podcast. Um, but... Uh, but there just there wasn't there wasn't the time. It was probably probably run its course a little bit. Um, I, I hadn't been writing, um, so there wasn't a whole lot of new content. It was kind of like, didn't I see you play this set two three years ago? Like this is it's fine, but you know, at some point I'm like, hey, you guys coming out to my show? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> it's cool, man. No, <laughs> like, I you know. know. Yeah. I I wouldn't either. You know. <laughs> so um so yeah so I kind of stopped playing and moved up there and um didn't play. For 10 years, almost 10 years, I played my first show in a decade at Sledsters in Grand Forks uh, uh, in June of 2021. Um, and the funny thing about that, there's two funny things about that. Uh, one is that it was my first show in a decade. It was also the site of Fugitive Grey, my high school band's first ever show back wow. when it was a juice bar called Cosmos. Now it's a bar mm-hmm. called Sledsters. Um, and also... And uh, it, this is just complete coincidence. My grandma, uh, sadly and unexpectedly, passed away about four or five days before the show, like three days before the show. And they did a, we did a quick turnaround funeral. And the show was the day of the funeral in Grand Forks. Hmm. And I was just like, do I need to cancel the show? My mom's like, why would you cancel the show? We're all going to come. So it ended up being kind of like a wake. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, it ended up being a, it was a really special night. It was a lot of fun. I was, you know, folks that never would have been able to make it were there. I had family from all over the country, obviously, that were there. And we just, we jammed, man. We jammed wow. and we cried yeah. and we had a good time. And it was just, it was really fun. So, That's and the awesome. goal with music now is to play a couple times a year, like in a full, full gig, eventually get enough songs without swears so I can fill in at Sweet Shots from time to time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's, a, where I was that's the long version. I saw you play, uh, this spring at Sons of Norway. Yeah. Downtown Fargo. Like Troll, Lounge. Troll Lounge. Troll Lounge. Yeah. That's yep. the Troll first Lounge. time I've been in there. And that's your buddy Shane played yep. after. Yep. Um, my 40th birthday. Great stuff. I yep. mean, you're, you're obviously really talented and you'd been, and you've been away from it for 10 years. And I always go back to the golf connection. I mean, mm-hmm. when you're playing golf competitively and you're performing at a certain level, you, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a razor. I mean, you're razor sharp to play mm-hmm. at that level. And I equate that to music. You lose yeah. your chops in music, right? hundred percent. And you got to get it back. And it's, there's a lot of things you need to struggle with. It's not just the physical stuff of remembering chord progressions. It's actually getting comfortable mm-hmm. up there and you're delivering things like that. So I really love the correlations between golf and music. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're living that right now because you're, yeah. you started, you started with your golf and you're coming back with your music and, uh, you just got a ton of talent. So it's, uh, I, I, pre- I appreciate that. We, uh, that it's funny that you mentioned that the, the, the comfort of it, cause you, you, you know how to go GCD, you know, you know, you know, a chord progression, you know, the lyrics probably. And if not, you put it on an iPad or you have, you know, I'm old now. So I use my cheater binder where I used to just try and play for memory, which there is mixed results at times with that. But, uh, that the, the show at the troll lounge, um, I remember I had, I was feeling an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. And I wanted to play without a break. I was just going to charge through it. That's what I was going to do the whole time. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to roar through this set, you know, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be screaming and sweaty and drunk when this thing's over and my voice is going to hurt and my fingers are going to be bleeding and we're just going to make it happen. And four or five songs into it, I just, I couldn't get comfortable. It was the week of our new store opening here when we just opened, we'd just been doing all of our training, our full crew training all week long. And I facilitated a lot of that. So I was just yelling all week long, just like, hey, welcome to Sweet Shots. Oh, Pat, we're really glad that you chose us. This is Mark and Chuck. It's a family business. We're excited to be a part of the community. I mean, it was just like, and it was doing that three times a day for seven days straight. And then it's Saturday night. We had a we had a session that morning and I got there and I'm just like, I just, I can barely sing. I'm not hitting the notes. My voice is cracking. And I remember thinking about four or five songs into this. I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to finish the set. <laughs> That's not a good it was just, Oh, I just felt, I felt awful. I'm just it's like getting the shanks in the middle of a tournament. Yeah, That's what it's serious. That's what it was. And I'm like, I got to finish this round right now. You got to figure it out. This is going to buckle down and figure it out. And that's what you do. You know, you, you, Aim you left. summon, <laughs> you summon somebody to bring you a shot of Jameson. I'm like, I got a shot of Jameson up here. I just had to loosen up honestly. Yeah. And I just, I, you know, threw back a little Irish whiskey and, and got myself loosened up. And you just, you find that song that, that, 
gets you comfortable. You find an easy one, maybe do a layup, play an old Tom Petty song or something like that. That's not going to challenge your range too much. And you get yourself going. And then by the end of it, it was a, we had a really, really fun time. It was uh yeah, it was a blast. So, that but was, yeah, it was a good night. Well, I hope um, you continue as, as time allows to, you know, work on not only uh, your golf, but get that music back and, in in time, uh, maybe folks out here at Sweet Shots be able to come out and listen to a little yeah. Pat Lipsy. It's got, I am I'm pretty set. Mark Mark makes the joke that I have an, a different excuse every Thursday, and he's right. But uh, <laughs> and they're usually legitimate, but it is different. There's a time, like I said, somebody could call. I'd hop in the car. I'd drive to Thief River. I'd drive to Crookston. You know, you could go down to Fergus and play weird shows when promoters or bar owners or whatever just needed a guy to come in and and try to entertain his crowd for a little bit. Um, but uh, those times have changed, you know, now it's like, holy buckets, five songs. Ooh, I'm going to have to go. I really got to get into this one, you know, and it's like and it could be too, just like the the change in expectation for for myself. Like maybe I just didn't mind going out there and making a butt of myself for a little bit, you know, and, and now it's just like, well, if I'm going to play five songs, they're going to be perfect and they're going to be really good. And they're going to be a fair representation of what I do. Whereas I'm like. Bar tab, free bar tab. Let's go. All right. I'll what figure you, something you, out. What do you want I'll figure hear? something Hey, you get what you pay for, bud. Let's go. You're getting the $75 pat tonight. Party on, you know, so. Well, I love the live music scene in, in our region. There's a lot of talented people. Um, your history and being a part of that, I, I can appreciate. I, I think that's really, really neat. And uh, yeah, like I said, I hope that you, as time allows, I know you're juggling a lot between yeah. work and uh, great, great family, two young girls that mm -hmm. uh, keep you going, keep you busy. Uh, but as time allows, love to love to hear you play. And I think community be be uh, better for it to have you. Yeah. Talented guys like you doing your thing. So absolutely. We'll All right. There. Should we uh, tackle a little fantasy? Yeah, a little, little quick, uh, quick overview on the DraftKings. Well, this can be really quick because I won last week. I won last week. Yeah. Hands down at 470 points. Um, I rode Hoagie, Thigala, and I actually doubled my money last last week. <laughs> and if you remember, how I picked my team was I went middle of the middle road. Of the road. I just yeah. if if your average spend is eighty three hundred a player, that's where I that's where I was. Eighty three hundred a, a a person. Yeah. No, I, I mean it was it was it was respectable. What was it like four fifty seven or something that you had? Four seventy. Four seventy. Four seventy. I I won by at least forty some points over you and Chuck. So it wasn't even well, that close. Okay, hold on now. But so the biggest story is Chuck's last again. Chuck's last again. Mr. Analytics, mm -hmm. he subscribes to all the Andy's mm -hmm. not here. So Andy's let's not just here. let him have it. Cut cut loose. Yeah. However, <laughs> you know, as we're trying to build this knowledge of uh of DraftKings. And helping folks understand how to play and how to eventually make money, the guy that knows the most about it and that has had the best track record has underperformed the last two weeks. So yes. it it's it's a bit unpredictable. It is. Well, I mean, look, it's gambling. So when it comes down to it, it's luck, right? right. I mean, it's we have zero can as much as we want to have control. We have no whoa, control whoa, whoa, over whoa. these What guys. kind of podcast is this? <laughs> well, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> actually the chance, way we're doing it is, is we're proving that you need to, you need to have three different versions of a team. You need an analytics team, mm -hmm. you know, the strokes gained, you can grind on that, understand the golf course. Is it, is it proximity to a hole that tends to win? So have that yeah. team and then do a team with course history. Right. Yep. That, that that they play well. They played well there without course history. Maybe it's a team like I did. You just understand the buy and who's trending and who's playing well. Yeah. Um, so and then a, a gut a gut team. Back to that point. Who's playing well? What what are the trends? I mean, it's the game of golf. You know, I mean, it's when you feel good, you're gonna play good, right? I mean, it's just you ride the streak, you know that what your swing's doing, you're not having to think. I mean, that's a true part of golf. And but at the highest level, it's the same as just going out on your weekend round. You know, I, I feel good today. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, it's uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a second. I'll take a second over Chuck. All right. That's fine. Do you ever do like a funny name team or try to do anything like that or a guys that wear red hats team and just throw that against the wall and see what there's not, it's been not some teams <laughs> that uh, were born in certain regions of the world. I know mm -hmm. guys have done that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, last only, year I had a only friend guys from Nebraska, stuff like that. Yeah. I had I had a friend do uh, just a just a, uh, a, a team from mm -hmm. Asia. Can mm -hmm. you say that? Yeah, 
Yeah. Is that Asian guy too? Asian guy, team. talented golfers from that region. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot. And and uh, at the Masters, the Masters last right? year, and he yeah. and he did really well. Yeah. Yeah. Really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's uh, it's not necessarily a science behind it, but yeah. we're going to try and but just give like your reasons why to why to pick it. Sure. You know. Just okay, like any uh, game of chance, you're doing your, you set yourself up at the end of the day. It's like being a, a manager in baseball. Exactly. Hey, I can do, I, at the end of the day, you guys got to hit the ball. Yeah. You know you what I mean? Tell. You can do all the analytics you want, yeah. but if they don't perform, they're not striking. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Do you want to do your team first? Yeah. I'll, I'll get into you got this. Time so, for this. Yeah. We're going South Carolina. It's Tom Fazio design course, 66 or 76, excuse me, 7,600 yards. <laughs> so it's long, long. So um, interesting to note again. Second week in a row, no cut line. Everybody's playing all four days. Is this a reaction to live golf or is this something that they do? No, it is. Okay. It is. Um, some might say, but okay. it is the second year um, okay. or okay. Third, third year that right. they do. Right. Fair enough. Um, but it, it's a really strong field for early on. And, and that's because it is a $10.5 million pot. Okay. So uh, just enough cash purse. to go around. Yep. So yep. like guys, guys, you got guys like Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, you know, um, Scotty Scheffler's in it. I think five of the top ten players in the world are playing in this, and for an early tournament, that's big. Um, so the the stuff that I've got to look at, you want to look at some uh, approach play because it is a, a longer golf course. You got to have guys that are are good at uh, the iron play. And then uh, because of the Tom Fazio design, there's a lot of bunkers. So that that short game um, and putting, they got big Bermuda greens um, this week. So because of that, um, my lineup, I, I wasn't quite middle of the road. Um, I went more on the analytics side of things. Um, but I definitely steered away from the top guys. Like Rory McIlroy is sitting at $1,100. He's big dollars. Like that is... Usually you it's don't insane. see guys over 10. So, I mean, and you get a $50,000 budget. So that's mm-hmm. over a fifth of your budget for yeah. one guy. So it's Rory and then Scrubs. Right. But get. there is a case because it's a no cut event. You can find some guys that are yeah. down the road a little bit. Just but, Rory and a bunch of guys with goofy names. That's right. <laughs> no pictures on their DraftKings. Yeah. <laughs> just flags. Bunch of club pros. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, so I started out with Sung JM. I mean, the guys, uh, he's had a good start to the season. He's proved he can make birdies, but the the important stat that I saw was that he's great at avoiding the bogeys. Bogey avoidance, really good. Um, he also plays really well on Bermuda Greens. So Sung JM's my first guy, $9,600. Then I went back to my horse, Tom Kim. I just love the guy. Yep. Uh, player, he's a great approach player, great bunker player. Um, and the important stat that I looked at was fairway proximity from 125 yards to 200 yards and 250 plus yards. So statistically 67% of the shots last year at this golf course came from that yardage. He was sixth of that. So top 10. So that's a deep dive into stats, right? It was a deep. No, I I went into it. Yeah. So that's 67% of those shots in the tournament came from 125 to 200 or 250 plus. So you look for the guys that excel in proximity from that. See, I hope this works out for you. I mean, I want to win next week, but too. a guy that's working that hard on stats, I hope that works out for you. I do too. I'm kind of taking Chuck's role. So then I went back to Taylor Montgomery. Uh, I think this might be third week in a row. He's on there. 8,200. Um, he's statistically best putter in the fields, great on Bermuda greens, and he avoids the bogeys. So we're keeping keeping the trend alive. I went Shane Lowry because of his short game, and he's just a great guy. I love watching his swing. Great swing. I'd like to um, have a beer with that guy. It would probably end up being multiple beers with yeah, that be guy. Fun. <laughs> um, again, that same fairway proximity, he's ninth. Um, I'm going Tom Hoagie. He's a great value pick at like 77 or I something agree. like that. 7,700. I mean, for a value pick, yep. the guy's played well. Um, statistically, he's eighth in that fairway proximity. So he, he plays, I mean, he's playing well. Um, and then I rounded it out with uh, Russell Henley. So again, statistically, he's a great pick. He's Top 20 in a lot of stroke skiing categories from putting approach, bunkers, all of it. Uh, he's a great driver of the golf ball. Um, he's actually first in that fairway proximity. 
Russell so, Henley is one of those PGA Tour guys. He literally could be in this room with us right now. We probably wouldn't yeah. recognize him. <laughs> but he's made millions of dollars. Oh, he's made a great he's living. He's just a fantastic living on the PGA Tour. <laughs> but he could show up at at Sweet Shots today and yeah. just come in and probably hit yeah. some balls. I'm really excited about Russell Henley because at $7,300. Great value. Great value pick for statistically how good he could be. So – those are my six guys. I feel pretty good about it. Okay, that's a nice team, but can I? Yeah, now you I, get. I hope that you win based on all Me your too. analysis. Me too. But here's what I'm doing. I have a solid team based on trend, just trend. Trending. How are you playing? How are you playing? John Rom. I'm spending the money. Ten thousand nine hundred dollars on Rom. Do you He's see second what he most did? Expensive. Isn't he? Did you see what he did in the Spanish? Is it? Yeah. The yeah. The Spanish, Spanish Open. Open. Yeah. Oh, he destroyed the field. Destroyed the field. He, he is, he's playing like a man uh, possessed. Um, and when you look at his uh, fantasy points per game, it's legit. I mean, 127.5. Like, and, and he's making guys, a lot of birdies. Yeah, he's making a ton of birdies. Okay, no particular money. order. I threw Hoagie on there again because he's solid. Love it. 7,700. Not a lot of people pick him for whatever reason. And I'm still riding the Maverick McNeely train. Right. He had a good week last week. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Yeah. Just fantastic. Young player. Out of Stanford, mm-hmm. uh, used to come and play the uh, Ironman Junior Tournament in DL. He and his family, just so that we got to. He's yeah. one of us, kind yeah. of. <laughs> um, and then I'm gonna dig you right now. This is just what? poking the bear a little bit. I'm putting Ricky Fowler on my team. Okay, yeah, that's one thing I didn't want to talk about. I even mentioned it last week. I said that's my gut pick. I'm going stats. And then of course he just goes out and shot like I mean, 62 the first day. Or yeah, I mean he he struggled on the on the on coming in. Just right. uh, putter got cold, but, but he's I was a huge Ricky guy growing up. How was how old is old BDR these days? Is he thirty? Uh, um, he'd be yeah. He's probably pretty close. Married Something and like a that. kid. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So Fowler, I, he made my roster, and then uh, Keegan Bradley. Why not? He he just won. He's streaky. When he plays well, he plays well in streaks. Yeah, and his putter's hot. You need you need a good putter on on big greens like yep. that. And then uh, I'm throwing in mostly just because he's 7,700 bucks, and that's what I had left. Brian Harmon, lefty. Oh. He is a workhorse. If you ever lefty. need to round out your field in, in, in fantasy golf, he is always a value pick, and he makes cuts. Just he's, He just quietly goes about his – That would be an important stat if there was a cut this week. Right. I'm just saying in the future. <laughs> for future picks. Yeah. But – so this is trending. This is a trending team, that and is, we'll see how things shake yeah, out. Two different takes on that. How about Pat? I mean, we obviously gave the guys that we're looking for, but mm-hmm. I don't know how close. Do you have a you have a favorite going into this week? Oh, well, I have just, a team. I just put it together. Oh, look at this. He's I'm got doing work. I'm grinding. Right, let's over go. Here. I'm not yeah. texting. I thought he might have been texting. Goofy name team. Goofy name team. Yeah, there we go. Together, if we're he gonna wins this week. <laughs> yeah, no, most of these guys haven't played on the tour in years. I'm just I'm looking for lists of golfers with goofy names right okay. now. Okay. All right. All right. But uh, often overlooked, we're going to go with Dickie Pride. Uh, yeah. Dickie's really been striking the ball well lately. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Especially at this <laughs> Dickie Pride. This particular Dickie. course. Yeah. Uh, first round is always solid. If you can get get it. Whoa, there's no cut line. Yeah. You, no uh, Dickie Pride's yeah. good. Dickie uh, Pride. Dickie Pride. I'm getting that on that. I got him yeah. at like uh, 100, 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Whiffy Cox. Always strong at this particular That's a legit tournament. golfer. Yeah, he must be on Corn Ferry. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I don't think. He, oh uh, no, he did tie for third at the nineteen thirty four U.S. Open though. So okay, he was like fifty Senior bucks. Tour. I got a solid Steel. deal on this guy. Okay, you're two for two. Two for two. Boo Weekly. Oh, I love yeah, Boo. Yeah, good old Boo. Uh, Briny Baird. Briny Baird. Briny Baird. Yeah, I haven't heard that one. And then we're gonna we're gonna close it out with uh, uh, a classic. John Hunt. John Huh? Huh. Is it Huh or who? Huh. Okay. I think is he's it? playing this week, actually. Honorable mention, Fuzzy Zeller. Just because God bless him. <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to do well. <laughs> I, I like your take. Especially like no it. cut event with no the. No cut event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like your. Uh, so I have to round it out with one story. If people have stuck with this through this podcast, you're be rewarded with this story. <laughs> but funny golf names. My mom will hear this. Funny golf names. And this is this. Trends towards PG-13 here or beyond. Um, I mentioned him earlier, Brad Bangen, mm-hmm. MSUM fame. 
Mm-hmm. His best ball partner back in the day, right out of college, was John Annis. Oh, jeez. That's so a good couple. That's a good coupling right there. That's a good yeah. final day pairing. And, and a lot of times, because I was playing, I was around some of those events, the guys announcing the pairing, Dean Mulrood at Moorhead Country Club, had trouble <laughs> pronouncing Annis. Yeah. He would pronounce it as anus. Oh, jeez. Just of all the different ways to pronounce those <laughs> vowel sounds. You got like four vowel sounds well, per vowel there. You got like A-N-A-S, eight. You got just I like 16 know. combinations of ways you can say this name. Why would you Why? say anus? <laughs> anus. Anus. You know. So, so now anus. it's next on the T. Bang an anus. Yeah. But it was bang an anus. Bang an anus. And he didn't even blink. I mean, he's just oblivious he just to what he was it. saying. Stone cold. So without a sense of irony, funny golf names. Yeah. Sorry, everyone that you had, had to listen to that, but that's, I'm just, I'm fascinated in the thought process. Well, that if goes they haven't it. turned it off yet. They might've turned it off after that one. Or perhaps they turned it up or turned it up. You know, we got PG 13. We <laughs> yeah, know where our like, audience is. Finally, it's picking up around here. <laughs> <laughs> Tired it's, of hearing about Pat's music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat, I mean, thanks for, thanks for jumping on. Yeah. With really, us. Yeah. really appreciate it. Absolutely. That was a great, great show. Fun I mean, stuff. I, I knew it was going to be a fun one. I mean, I love I love finding out information about people I didn't know. Before. I have a question. Can folks listen to your music? Is it out there anywhere? Like Ugh, on Facebook? This, or... That's a good question. Um, there's a couple of old YouTube clips that are floating around. Um, there was a bunch of it streaming. Do you guys remember MySpace? Oh, yeah. MySpace.com. That was before my time, believe yeah, it or I, not. I know it was. I'm not shocked by that. <laughs> but for a long time, uh, Internet Archives had preserved MySpace, and I had the old page up there, but there was like 12 songs I had streaming on there. That was, I, I thrived in the days of MySpace. That was my jam. Um, but I was in a lot of people's top eights. You don't even know what a top eight is, but no. it was important. Okay. <laughs> but, so, uh, good. but long story short, uh, all the music on MySpace, Internet Archives got lost a couple of years ago. So it's all gone. So right now there is not a great streaming source. Um, a friend of mine who I did a ton of my recording with and some of the professional recording that I did, he actually had the masters of. Uh, he's a really talented uh, really talented guy, uh, specifically in the field of of audio recording. But uh, he has everything that I recorded on his hard drive in Northeast Minneapolis right now. I mean, like we're talking five versions of the same song, weird acoustic stuff. I did I did a full band album recording at one point that never saw the light of day. We spent a lot of time and money on it. And when it came out, I'm like, it was a full band and it sounded good, but it didn't sound anything like like what I did. So I kind of shelved it. So, uh, this is a really long answer to a really short question, but right now there's not a great place, but I'm, I'm working on, uh, getting my hands on some of that stuff so I can get it out in some digestible form, some kind of consumable form that makes sense. So mm-hmm. good. Keep us so, posted on that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, for those out there that know how to obtain music from a producer. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yep. Easy way. That's the way to do it. So that's going to be our show today. Again, thanks to Pat for stepping in. Um, Chuck, you're officially on notice, both in the golf sphere and the podcast sphere. I picked a great team for you. Yep. DraftKings-wise. You got some money left over. Dickie's looking. (laughs) (laughs) Matter of fact, I think you're a player. No, you had six. Did you have six? Yeah. Well, Fuzzy, I didn't know how many I needed. So Fuzzy was an alternate. He just made the team. He he made it. Fuzzy's in. (laughs) So that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, episode three here at Sweet Shot. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week.